You're listening to From the Clubhouse, a National Club Golfer podcast. It's one of the most well-known streets in golf, a thoroughfare always thronged with spectators at the climax to an open championship at St Andrews. It hosts Tom Morris's shop and the famous golf clubs that wind their way down the side of the old course's 18th hole. Walking down the links, as the road is known, is a pilgrimage for millions of golfers who flock to visit the spiritual home of the game. But despite its reverence today, the construction of the links caused a late 19th century storm that went all the way to the House of Lords. It sparked what became known as the Road War, and which is the subject of a fascinating new book by golf historian Roger McStravick. The culmination of three years of extensive research, McStravick painstakingly takes readers back to 1879 in St Andrew's The Road War Papers, where they can learn how a simple road from Golf Place to Granny Clark's wind and beyond caused so much strife. McStravick joins me on the NCG podcast to discuss his new work and hark back to a fascinating period in the game's history. Renowned golf historian Roger McStravick, welcome to the NCG podcast. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Delighted to speak to you, uh, particularly with uh, a new book on the way, uh, The Road War Papers. Uh, that's correct, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. And Andrew's The Road War Papers. <laughs> and uh, we'll get into uh, that book and uh, the circumstances around it in a little bit. But uh, for anyone who, who isn't aware of you, I mean, I, I think you're the definitive golf historian in St Andrews. I mean, clearly uh, St Andrews in the footsteps of old Tom Morris is an incredible book for anyone who hasn't seen it. And if they haven't, they really should get hold of it and get a copy of it. But just tell, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and, and, and the career you've had today. Yeah, no, I, I am, St Andrews has sort of become a, 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 an obsession for me. You know, I, I literally hang on every minutia of, of, of little anecdotes about the history of of St Andrews, you know, and um, um, uh, so the Tom Morris book, book you're talking about came out of just a passion for learning about St Andrews street by street. And I was like, well, we need, I need to put this out because Tom Morris is, is almost in every street, you know, um, and that's the book evolved from that, you know. Um, so, yeah, no, so I've been writing. Um, uh, so I think this book will be number six. And then there's a couple of others in the, the pipeline, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I just love it. I love St. Andrews and, I, and I, particularly that 19th century era when the old course was developing and um, slowly evolving to what we know today. But I just find the whole era and what they did and what they went through just remarkable. And, um, uh, yeah, absolutely. I just honestly can't get enough of it. So... The thing that strikes me about your books, particularly um, in the footsteps of, is the level of detail um, that goes into it and the novelties that have arisen from your research. And that's pretty difficult to do in this internet age, isn't it, where everything is there usually for everybody to see. So when you're, when you're researching these books, how do you unearth these little nuggets? Do you know what? I, 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 St Andrews is, they call it the home of golf, but it's really the home of golf research. The archives in the University of St Andrews are just phenomenal. 
they have original letters back from you know hundreds and hundreds of years ago the universe the rna collection is fantastic and the rna are very kind you know it's not closed up you can't get it you can actually get access to it you know things like um alan robertson's scrapbook you know you can go and see it you know that so they're fantastically generous so there's so much in town um about that particularly 19th century when golf was just evolving, expanding and, and growing, that it's all there, you know? And the reason why I'm, I'm able to find new stuff is because I, I look at original material. I, I don't tr tend to believe anything at all, you know, so unless I've seen it myself, you know, um, um, and which, which is, is the joy of St Andrews is that you can actually uh, go and look at statements and so somebody says oh and for years people wrote about the, the first hole was developed in in the 1840s but then I went back and looked at the actual original letters and receipts and was actually no they've started land reclamation in the 1830s and and, uh, and here's the receipt you know like like honestly my level of nerdity is quite high <laughs> i would get excited about a receipt from 1830 because it actually redefines what the history of the first hole is you know so um so yeah so i i i feel very very fortunate to be here and have access to those archives you know and the university archives are not just manuscripts and letters um in documents they also have a fantastic photo library which you can actually go online um, and have a look at you know, so it's just freely available. Just go to St Andrews University and get uh, the um, photography section, and um, and it's all there: pictures of Old Tom, pictures of Alan Robertson, pictures of the Great, pictures of the Links. You know, so it is it is wonderful, wonderful um, to be here and to have access to that. Clearly, you've been immersed in that nineteenth um, century age of, of of Old Tom Morris and um, and Alan Robinson and, and and so on. I mean, tell me a little bit about that time then. What was St Andrews like in the middle of the nineteenth century to the late nineteenth century when golf really started to take off into the sport we know it as today? I, I think people would be surprised that in some ways very little has changed, but yet so much has changed. I know that sounds like paradox, but so the course itself would have been a fraction of the width. So mid 1800s, um, you could almost divide the old course in half and that was the width of the, the course, you know. So um, it was a very narrow course played um, back and forth to the same holes. Um, uh, and they nearly lost the first hole because of the tides. You know, the whole first fairway is reclaimed land where you see the flat land of the first hole that was all beach and and there were danger because of storms of losing the entire fairway so which would be our 18th fairway so um so it would have been a, a, a narrower course the bunkers are not wrecked you know they um just play the ball as it lies which i love you know it brings back the how natural the game should be you know and the greens themselves are they're naturally short because of the grass but they're not, um, you know, what we play on now, you know. So similar, but very different. You know, that sounds like a real arsism, but, but you know what I mean. And in terms of the town, it was going through a huge expansion, wasn't it, in, in that period from kind of 1820s and 1830s when 
um, it really was a shadow of what we consider it is today to this now, this, this huge home of golf that we all know it as. Absolutely. And it's hard almost to visualize um, how run down St Andrews was. St Andrews was once upon a time a thriving, you know, uh, religious capital of Scotland and uh, a very wealthy town. But then after the Reformation, it, it was uh, run, it became run down and all the streets and houses, you know, there's no such thing as a road really, just, you know, um, and this was what it was like. The time was a run down town, but Sir Hugh Lyon Playfair came back uh, from India and he had this idea of the metropolis of golf. You know, he had this idea that this could be a beautiful uh, middle-class town based uh, similar to what they'd done in Edinburgh, you know, uh, with the new town housing. Um, and, and they laughed at him in, um, you know, in town hall meetings and stuff, because it was so ridiculous an idea, you know, that this rundown medieval town could actually become something that the whole world would want to see. And he was spot on, you know, and he, he made the changes and made it an attractive area um, and made it a, a place that people wanted to, to not only to live in, but also visit, you know, he, he really was the driving force behind that. Um, uh, so, and it did, it only did become, you know, what he, what he had hoped for, you know, but uh, it was wonderful what he did, you know, and he did some controversial things, like he got rid of all the old Scottish street names, which, which sometimes was fine because there was one street called Foul Waste Lane, which is, <laughs> is not exactly, you know, it's not, it doesn't sound like a lovely place to sit out and have a coffee, you know, so, um, but but he did. But also he got he got rid of the principal's nose. Now you would have heard of the principal's nose on the golf course, but the principal's nose, in truth, was a porch of a house on. Uh, it was the principal's house, and Playfair wanted massive, wide, open, clean streets, like South Street is now. It's a beautiful white sort of boulevard, and and he just said to Principal Haldane, you know, you have to lose that because I. He didn't want anything jutting out into the street. I want clean lines. And that, that porch was known as the principal's nose. And there's poetry in the 19th century saying that um, here the principal's nose he plans to cut off. And that's what he did. He cut off the principal's nose. He did get rid of the porch so he could have these wide streets. But that's the real principal's nose. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so uh, it was just, it was complete evolution from a rundown medieval city into this thriving of a beautiful housing that the middle classes wanted to live in and, um, and people wanted to visit, you know. It, it was almost purpose-built for golf today, you know, with all the guest houses, you know, everything got better and better and better, you know, what they could offer people. So, yeah, so it's, it, is, it, is, um, it, is, it is a fascinating era, you know, Tom Morris from from he was born in 1821 right through to when he died, you know, in 1907, he, um, he would have seen the, the complete transformation of St Andrews. Well, that's a lovely link, Roger, to the purpose of our discussion, really, and your new book, St Andrews, The Road War Papers. Uh, the Links is clearly one of the most famous roads in golf now, uh, stretching down the side of the 18th fairway, uh, or, you know, straight to the road hole. Um, and it would seem incredible for a modern audience to understand the friction 
and the anger that the uh, formation of that road caused in the town. So just give me a little bit of background, if you could, Roger, about the road war and, and how it happened. Absolutely. The, um, the Lynx land, since about 1124, has been public land. St Andrew's Lynx, and maybe some of the listeners may not know this, but it's actually public land, you know, it's owned by the people. So when the town council wanted to allow a road in the 1870s, um, in front of the Tom Morris shop and the houses there, there was um, outrage, really, that, that they could consider putting a road across uh, this ancient links, you know. So, um, so yeah, so there was, a, there was a big fight in the council with it. And there was one man called John Patterson, and he's the main character, really, in the whole book. Um, he was against it. Uh, against the road, we all together. He he came to St Andrews, fell in love with the place, and had the passion of a new convert. Really, you know, um, he could not understand why they would even the town council, which he was a member of, why the town council would even consider allowing this road. Um, people had built houses, you know, where we know now fourteen, fifteen, the links, you know, Walden House, etc. They built houses there facing the course. And on the understanding that at some point, what was a path would become a road. But um, so, so they were obviously wanting the road. And then the other side, you had John Patterson, plus others who didn't want the road. Um, and this, you know, this wasn't just a, a little St. Andrews issue. This, you know, the, the papers were getting involved and it went all the way to the House of Lords. Um, um, so it was, it was a fascinating case to follow, the twists and turns. and. Um, and John Patterson is just a fantastic character. He was just a, a man, he came from a poor background, but made an absolute fortune um, in the steel industry. And I think he retired at the age of 32 or, um, and, uh, and became provost himself, you know, a few years later, I think, just on the back of the success of, with the, the road war. So, um, so yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful uh, case to follow. Um, the evolution of the book uh, started uh, with the old Tom Morris book, the old Tom Morris, you know, St Andrews and the Footsteps. I was researching that in the university archive, the special collections archive, and Katrina came over and said, we have a box called uh, just St Andrews Links, but nobody really knows what it is. Would you like to see it? And I said, yeah, of course, yeah. And I opened it up and I couldn't believe it. It was statements uh, um, made by all my sort of heroes, Tom Morris, Daw Anderson, um, Jamie Anderson, John White Melville, all those greats of that sort of 1879 era, and all these people who have done so much for the evolution of golf as well. And, but this was them talking about, this is where they come from. This is their earliest memories of the links. And, and that was just gold dust. I can believe that I, I, I was reading not Somebody said, you know, somebody writing about what Tom Morris, and this is actually Tom Morris, you know, this is a ver verbatim statement by Tom Morris. Um, so it was just wonderful because it just brought the evolution of the course to life, you know. Um, so it was just, just, and, and it was, it was, and also what I loved about it, and the book was originally going to be called The Road War Statements, and just be that. But this was the people themselves, you know, this was what they were going through and what they felt. And for example, there was 
there was the carter who took the rubbish from St Andrews, and this is how the first hole today was created. They took the rubbish from the town of St Andrews, took it down and dumped it on the beach, and then covered it with soil, and that, that reclaimed land is the first hole, but the first hole effectively is built on the town's rubbish. Um, um, but this was John Carsters, the man who actually did it, who took the rubbish from the town, talking about that whole case. You know, and in the statements themselves, there's somebody who was born in the 1700s. So it was just, it was lovely to hear by the people what they thought of St Andrew's links, you know, and, um, and it, it, they, they solve so many mysteries, including things like the original 22 hole layout, you know, what that land that was used for the original 22 hole layout, um, what was it used for? How did that evolve? So yeah, so I, I, honestly, I could have I could have researched it for the rest of my life. I loved it, um, and I have to say, I I, I find it very hard to leave 1879. <laughs> I am sort of kicking and screaming, and you know, being asked about what am I going to do next and stuff. But uh, I I just it's taken about three months to try to extract myself from the book because I I just loved hearing the stories, you know, and and not always by somebody well-known, just a random person who lived in St Andrews, who took the rubbish, I, that ultimately created the first hole, or the guy who, who talks about Granny Clark's wine and, you know, solves that mystery, you know, so anyway, I loved it. So just to put that into context for listeners, um, this, uh, this um, fracas, if that's, if that's the right word to use, um, became extremely embittered to the point where um, rival gangs of labourers, one gang was building the road and another was taking it down in the evening after those workers had gone home. And this ended up in a, in a variety of places, um, fights in the town council, fights in court, and, and as you said earlier on, it ended up in the House of Lords. And, and you've managed to um, get those statements from those people who were involved, the central characters, and that and that's where the real meat of your book comes together, isn't it? Those statements from people, whether it's old Tom Morris talking about it, uh, or you know, whether it was uh, John Patterson, as you, as you said earlier on, you know, it's it's the central characters who have been um, uh, chronicled verbatim. Hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely, and it's it's just wonderful to hear old Tom being cross-examined in court, you know, which was, I was just pinching myself, but, um, and he solves a couple of mysteries, you know, like when did he start working for Alan Robertson? And, you know, and uh, it's, it's just, just wonderful. There's so many little, little nuggets there, which, which I just find just wonderful to read, you know, and it, and you can't, you can read the book from, you know, A to Z, you know, from start to beginning, but I, it's sort of like with all the statements, you could just open the book anywhere and you're instantly drawn by what they're saying, you know. So it was it was just just a joy to to, to research and um, and to put together really. A, you know. So as I said, I'm I'm very reluctant to leave 1879, you know, <laughs> you know, because they did so much. They really did. They did so much. You know, everything that we have in St Andrews now is not because of uh it just randomly happened is because it was carefully planned by these victorians and they did a wonderful job you know yeah, um, i don't want to give too much of the book away obviously because pe people should go and buy it but i mean old tom morris in particular was in a difficult situation with with regard to the links i mean he was conflicted at times about it yeah no i, I think um 
he actually changed position. And the, the difficulty was that he was taking uh, the opposite side to his employer. You know, uh, the, the RNA had basically said that they were very much pro-road and wanted this road down there, you know. So, so he had to basically stand up in court against his employer. So it was, it was difficult in that sense. But he did change his mind. And one of the most telling things he said, the gist of what he said was that he said he would give everything to get the links back. And, and that was it. That's what was sold to him by John Patterson. But John Patterson said, if we can get this stopped, then our next step will be we will get the links back. Because the links had been sold, uh, you know, back in, well, it had been sold 1797 and then resold in 1820 because the council had so many debts. So, so he, his thinking was that this was the first step and then the next step would be that they would get the links back. And he ultimately did get the links back for the people again. So that was, that was, that was hard for him. Um, and also there was the issue um, where the owners, the homeowners may have to pick up the bill as well so so that was also a bit of a disincentive you know you know and also pay for the annual maintenance you know the council that they wanted to allow the road but the, the people who lived in that street they decided would have to pay for it and they would have to pay for the upkeep of it um, and that was their initial starting position in court you know we want to allow this road yes you know but we're not paying for it um, so, so there was also an added incentive for, because you would have had like a, you know, an open-ended bill really, you know, and Tom Morris, um, although he ended his life, you know, a very wealthy man, um, he wasn't a hugely wealthy man in the sort of 1870s, you know, so he was, his, his shop worked successfully, but it wasn't a, on the sort of industrial scale of Robert Forgan's Two Doors Up, you know, so um, he was a club assemblier if that's the right word he assembled clubs um you know um and put his own stamp on them um, but didn't make clubs you know made his own balls but um, but he assembled golf clubs um so yeah and also you've got to think back in that time um there wasn't a great sort of um you know if you fell into debt you fell into trouble you know you know so um uh, so yeah, so it was a, a double-edged sword, but I, I think his primary driver was, this was the first step in getting the links back for the people. I understand um, when you said earlier on about the uh, magical quality of opening that box and finding all of these statements, but the book is based on lots more than that, isn't it? There's a huge amount of research that's gone into it. So, I mean, how did you get hold of all of those primary source documents, whether it be um, those town council meetings or the proceedings in the House of Lords? I mean, it feels like a huge undertaking to, to, to get everything together. Absolutely. Well, the university is fantastic, you know, because they, they have a, a great record of the, uh, of the whole case. Um, the Preservation Trust, St Andrews Preservation Trust, um, are a fantastic organisation in, in the town and they work towards the preservation of the town's architecture and stuff. And, um, but they have a phenomenal archive of photographs, probably the best, you know. Um, and, uh, but also, uh, so they were helping me with images and stuff. And then they sent an email saying, we've found something you might like. And I went in. And somebody back in the 1800s had kept press clippings of everything to do with the road war case. So it was every, every little tiny little thing. 
uh, to do with the road war, which was amazing. Honestly, I could have cried when I saw it. It was so wonderful. Um, because some of the reports that, um, uh, that are in the Advocates Library in Edinburgh, um, they're a bit sort of dry, whereas the newspaper ones uh, also talk about how the crowd react in the, you know, um, in, in court, you know, because like when Tom said that he had changed his mind, there was a certain amount of laughter, but they were laughing with him because he said some quite funny things as well at the same time. So, um, and that was captured in these clippings, which I completely wouldn't have got if, um, if it had relied solely on the, the court uh, transcriptions from the court, you know, so, um, so it was just, just wonderful there. And the RNA were fantastic as well. You know, they, they had amazing photographs, you know, because where, where, where people give evidence, then I also give a little bio of everybody just so, you know, if I can. And the RNA have just the most fantastic collection of Thomas Hodge paintings and um, just wonderful, wonderful stuff. So, um, so yeah, so a mixture of, of university, Preservation Trust, RNA, and then the archives in the Advocates Library in Edinburgh as well, where, where they have transcriptions of cases, which is phenomenal. And ultimately, Roger, this is um, a story about people. It's very often in, in when we when we're discussing history, we can get lost almost in academia. Um, but this fundamentally is a story about the people involved, how they reacted, how they lived through this time, what they thought, what they felt. Um, and um, that really brings this kind of whole era, as, as you've already said, to life. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I loved um, trying to give a snapshot of what the people were going through and what they were thinking and and it's amazing how two people can look at the same thing and see two different things you know um, and it just and it's wonderful and where I, I, I set it out deliberately not um, by oh this person's famous and you know I've, I've deliberately mixed that those people up with the carter or the candle maker you know um, people who own shops in town you know so it's just just to find out and it is a snapshot of St Andrews 1879 you know um, just to give a feel for what the people were feeling and what they were thinking you know um, it turns out the majority of people were for the road um, and the ones who were against it was basically not much more than John Patterson and then the golf club makers Don Anderson he had a house on the street certainly didn't want a big bill he was against it <laughs> um, Jimmy Anderson, you know, he had a house on the street, you know, uh, he didn't want a big bill, so he was against it. Um, and it's quite funny seeing them sort of going, walking in circles, trying to find reasons to say this road would be a bad thing, you know, even when common sense, you know, they ask them questions like, because the road of that, the, the path at that time was just mud and dust and dirt and, and, and almost unplayable if you get caught in a car track, you know, you could lose, you know, a shot just trying to get out of the car track. And, um, you know, saying, is it easier to play off a road or is it easier to play out of a cart rut? And, and just the hemming and hand and, the, 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 you know, it's just wonderful, you know, to see, see what they're trying you know, when, when ultimately all they want to say at the top of the voice is, don't give me the bill, <laughs> you know, so. Um, uh, yeah, so it's just just wonderful. So, so basically, it's the club makers who are against it, and basically the people who own the street. Um, uh, just the, the club makers on that street, I should say, the actual house owners were, were for the road, and um, but the general people of St Andrews were 
uh, were for the road. They just saw it as a fantastic thing, evolving. Sandwich is always evolving. Um, and, and they were they were definitely saw it as a positive thing, you know. So, um, but it is interesting the, the, the court, the way it goes through the court and the, the arguments and um, and the, the the town council minutes, as well, are are just hilarious. Really, um, there was one case, and, and it's honestly it's vicar of Dibley territory. They're just they're just it's just you know th there was one there was one moment where uh, one town councillor accused another of harumphing and harumphing just means like oh you know <laughs> and and this is debate about yeah i want <laughs> i want that stricken from the record sure that i did not harumph and the guy going you did harumph i did not harumph <laughs> just like, and I mean, it was, you know, it's just so vicar dibley so but but yeah so that they're, they're a joy to read and so so what i do is try to present them as, as, as much as possible but also within the um uh, what I also do is give an evolution of, you know, how do we get here? You know, why is this such an issue? And the reason it's such an issue is because back in 1820, the council allowed houses to be built, you know, and it all stems back from that. So I, I do describe that uh, to give people some background um, about the evolution of the whole case, you know, so. Well, it's a fascinating insight into a time long forgotten. Um, St Andrew's The Road War Papers is available at uh, Fine Golf Books. You can find their website, finegolfbooks.com. Roger, thanks very much for joining us on the NCG podcast. No, pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs>